Hello, and welcome to the Pop Culture Contrarian podcast with Thomas Sterling and Andrew. Uh, today, you two, I have a question, and I yes. think the question is, is going to be the topic. Um, when I was scrolling through Netflix the other day, I noticed something, and I noticed that Netflix has an entire category labeled World War II movies. Yeah. And so my question is this, why still do we keep making so many movies about the World Wars, both one and two? Yeah. That's an interesting question. Um, World War II, I think, was obviously a defining moment in the world, being a massive shift in power. Right, right. The um, British Empire fell. The German Germany was essentially destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was the biggest war the world has seen to date. Right. It was. Yeah. Encompassed I think that's, more countries and. Right. I think it's the last time virtually every country in the world was affected by the same event. Mm -hmm. Um, COVID. COVID. COVID affected the whole world, but it was, it was, I think historically will be viewed as less significant than World War II. I don't think that's a terribly outrageous thing to say. Well, I think World War II, if you're going to compare it to COVID or other pandemics, um, it was a unifying moment for people groups, mm-hmm. albeit people groups, you know, one versus the other or these versus these. Mm-hmm. COVID, it was just confusion. And fear. And fear. Yeah. there. I didn't see any unification, really. It was nation against nation and neighbor against neighbor and arguing and bickering and being scared yeah. and... There was no righteous cause. Yeah. Well, everyone thought they had a righteous cause. But yeah, yeah. But there wasn't one. We don't want to get stuck on COVID. Um, So yeah, when I was looking at those Netflix categories, I was just thinking, man, so many of these movies are recent. They're featuring featuring actors who are are my age. One of them on Netflix that I saw has, um, I can't remember the name of the actor, but the guy who plays Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter. And he's Mm -hmm. almost literally my age. And I was just thinking... Because my grandfather served in the in the European front in mm-hmm. World War II, so I heard his stories and he talked to me about it. And I was just thinking, grandchildren of the World War II vets and great grandchildren of the World War One vets, or however many generations it's been, um, are still reliving their their grandparents' lives. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder why that is. What does it say about us? And are we still trying to learn something from those events or are we maybe nostalgic? Sure. I think there's, yeah, I think there's probably an element of each of those things in it. Um, it is a, an interesting, unique, you could say moment in history. It's a moment in history that changes the entire world. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a moment in history where the, liberal democracies rose up to defend uh, liberty, you could say, against yeah. the rise of dictatorial tyrants uh, and obviously Hitler and yeah. um, imperial The Japan. liberal democracies being, I guess, the French resistance, the UK, UK, the British Empire, and the US. US. Well, and and the Anglosphere in general, Australia and Canada. Right. Um, the, the, the one kind of outlier is obviously the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union, yes. You know, Stalin was uh, just as bad in 
evil dictator, and you could argue, as Hitler. You had plenty of Americans and Brits after the war ended saying, you know, maybe we, we did this the wrong way around. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, I know Churchill had Arbor, Operation Barbarossa, he proposed, I think it was Barbarossa, which was, as soon as Germany was defeated, take the fight to the Russians. Yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness that didn't happen. So what are your thoughts? Why do you think it is? Um, well, there's a lot of things, but let's, let's focus on one thing that I think is, is kind of interesting. In World War II and even in World War I, the Americans who fought in those wars were performing selfless acts. Mm, um, yeah. In the Pacific front, I guess at first you could say maybe it was vengeance for Pearl Harbor. But other than that, you know, liberating all these islands the Japanese had conquered. And then in the European front, uh, getting engaged in, in these horribly bloody wars and battles against the Germans in both wars. The Americans didn't really have a stake in that fight. Uh, we had political reasons to get involved, but no American lives were really in jeopardy in either, from either Hitler or... Uh, whoever the leader was during World War I. So the veterans of those wars were heroes, and almost indisputably, the American veterans of those wars were heroes. Today, we hear so much about toxic masculinity, and we hear so much about white people are the problem. And I, I think maybe that's part of it. It's, okay, we're told we're the problem, but my grandfather wasn't. He was a hero. So... Maybe <laughs> I'll make sure everyone knows I'm connected with him. That kind of thing. I don't, maybe it's some of that. What do you think? Well, I think it has to do with cultural unity and having a, uh, a moment where there's an existential threat to your way of life. Mm-hmm. And I know, like you said, America was in some ways, you know, not directly at risk, at least not geographically at that point. Right. But the Nazis were coming for the world. If they could. Yeah. Um, and so getting involved, people were feeling things at home that were ended up ultimately impacting their everyday lives, uh, with an existential threat looming in the world. And that has a way of unifying a people, a shared experience mm-hmm. uh, of survival and of existing and working towards a goal that we don't have today, I think, because of um, a variety of reasons. Um, but people groups need to have a, this is who we are and this is where we're going. Right. And have something threaten that. Well, not even threaten, but I think you have to be able to express what you don't want. Mm. And you have to be able to say, that's what we don't want. And so that's what we are working to avoid. And Mm. I don't think it has to be exhibited in the real world, but when it is exhibited in the real world, it's very helpful for, for the the culture to be able to say, that's the thing we don't want. Everyone's agreeing. We don't want that thing. So we, we don't want Nazis. Yeah. So yeah. There has to be a popular uh, conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was. There's nobody seriously has a question of whether or not it was right for the United States to fight in World War II. Sure, right, it right. Was, it was. It was a war against evil, and I think 
It was one of the more black and white wars of history. I think you're right. And so I think the reason it still maintains its popularity is because the war that came after it that was the big one, um, not the Korean War necessarily, but the Vietnam War. Mm Because the Vietnam War was... um, has much more of a checkered history for America. Um, was it the right fight to fight? Was, you know, there was, obviously, we we're in the midst of the Cold War. It was, you could say, a pro- it was a proxy war for that bigger war, the Cold War. Mm-hmm. So it was a w- fight against communism. And yet, those directly involved in the fight in a lot of ways, or the people who suffered under that fight in a lot of ways, probably couldn't even really define what communism was for you. Yeah. I mean, there, it, a lot of people suffered for a war the, U, the U.S. was effectively fighting against the Soviets. Right. Right. There are a lot of Vietnam-era films also. Yeah, there, there are. are. Yeah. So I'm they wondering seem to be approached if it's, in a different way. Yeah, they it's almost a lot of them have a lot of it's a reckoning with I think a lot of them at least it's a reckoning with a um an attempt to absolve questions or disillusionment over that war. Mm-hmm. And the fact that honestly it was you could say the first war the u.s you could say lost right Mm -hmm. right um there wasn't we didn't and the reason we lost was we we lost heart to fight it yeah we gave up it's not because we were actually beaten by the enemy militarily that's not why we lost um so i think that that has been in our psyche and a looking back to a just war like World War II has been part of that kind of a balancing act in one sense. It's with, kind of a, a oil for troubled waters after Vietnam. Yeah, uh, I think so. And I think that, you know, we longed for, um, I mean, the Cold War, when the Cold War finally ended in, in what, 1989, when the Berlin Wall comes down and then eventually Soviet Union collapses. I think there was this sense in which America has done it. Yeah, we won. We, we won. We won the Cold War. We defeated all these major enemies. It was You could almost say our rise to power at the end of World War II, where we became the superpower. Right. And the other competing superpower of Soviet Union finally is defeated at the end of the Cold War in 1990. Mm-hmm. Um. There wasn't, we weren't necessarily, I mean, you could say we were going through a bit of existential crisis for our values after the Vietnam War, but still we, we understood in one sense what the reason we got into the war was, yeah. whether or not we agreed that should have happened. But then through the 90s, I think there began to be culturally more of this kind of internal like questioning of ourselves, questioning, especially I think my generation was starting to ask questions about, like, well, why are we the greatest? And yeah. Are we the good guys? I, that kind of goes back to and, Vietnam as well. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think that it probably is true that after the Cold War ended, I was a young child uh, in 94 is when I was born. So, But anyhow, I think it's probably true that it, there was kind of a question of what do we do now? <laughs> We've kind of been defined by our enemies since, since World War II. 
uh, and now there really aren't any. And then, of course, a decade later, we got 9-11, and that kind of petered out after 10, 15 years, I think. Well, yeah, it's well, like it changes from this unified, you know, large uh, enemy on the other side of the ocean to your enemy might be your neighbor. Right. Yeah, there was just the nature of of the war on terror. It was it was kind of like we're a nation that has this great military, the best military, uh the best weapons, the best tactics. Mm-hmm. But the enemy now is not a nation state. It's an ideology. Right. Um now we fought the Cold War against an ideology, an ideology but, but a- it was a nation state that was representing it yeah and pushing that idea and pushing it um i think with the war on terror terror is like a rather ambiguous kind of definer of the evil yeah and so you know we didn't say we're at war with islam no or even radical islam although that was kind of recognized um it was well al-qaeda and these and, and the Taliban, and the yeah. Taliban, and and these other entities that had were harborers of these terrorist organizations, yeah. um, and we're still, you know, fighting elements of that. But I think that that also became confusing to the American public after a while too. It definitely did because oh, we've kind of conquered Afghanistan, we've kind of conquered Iraq, but the war's not over. Like, what else do we have to do? Well, well, it became the whole we're gonna. We're going to change the way we're going to nation build. Yeah. That's effectively what it turned into. And I think that, I mean, we're still sort of doing that in Iraq. Yeah. And a lot of people it, just didn't have the heart it just, that. Well, it, and it collapsed uh, tremendously in Afghanistan after, and, you know. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that I think, can solidly be laid at Joe Biden's feet. The fact that the, the nation state that had been set up in Afghanistan collapsed. Yeah. And, well, like... Yeah. Like the reason we lost Vietnam, politics became yeah. the politics turned against the endeavor. Um, in the case of Vietnam, it maybe was more understandable than I would argue with with Afghanistan. I we, because Americans, no one had died for eighteen months. Americans yeah. weren't dying left and right, right. there. It was rel- for the most part we, the Americans were just providing support, you know, for the government there. Yeah. Um, in 20 years of, I mean, the thing that's crazy about Afghanistan, you had an entire generation that never knew Taliban rule. Yeah, and now they're back. But, yeah, that's interesting. So, I, so back I, I to had the, the thought, yeah. yeah, we're supposed to be talking about World War II movies, but yeah. I, I, you, you put this thought in my head, so I'm going to say it. Um, Maybe what Hollywood's kind of doing, and and we talked about Vietnam has lots of movies as well, but I guess there's been less Vietnam movies in the more, past 20 more years. More recently, I think you're right. Yeah. Than, than World mm-hmm. War II movies. I'm sure yeah. there's been more World War yeah. I and World War II And there movies. has been um, Global War on, on Terror movies. Right, lots the Iraq of War. But even continuing have been World War II films. Right, right. Yeah. Even, think... even throughout all of these trends of different eras yeah. world war ii films tend to be the most prolific i think you're probably right i think you're probably right although we have seen an upswing in world war one yeah it's recently. kind of been an interesting upswing in that but, but here's ahead. the tangent thought that i had so maybe hollywood the culture kind of our um 
desire for positive history is reverting back to World War II because that's like the last big moment where we can be like, see, America's the good guys. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we're doing that and that's why we keep seeing these movies. But kind of on the opposite side of that, we were talking about how America had been defined by its enemies since World War II by the Germans and then the Russians and um, until the 90s. It seems to me that with our current president constantly telling us, can you tell me what he says is the biggest threat to America today? Do you all know his line? White supremacy. White supremacy supremacy is the biggest threat to America today, if you ask Joe Biden. I wonder if that's kind of reverting back to kind of the last big conflict where, you know, there was good guys and bad guys, at least from their Like the civil rights era? The civil rights era, and even before that with the KKK in the, in the earlier part of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So, and then yeah, it, we kind of got distracted from white supremacy by World War II and, and the Cold War. And now those are over, and hey, we can pick that back up and keep running with it. That's just the thought. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. That's well, an interesting... That is uh, something to contemplate, I suppose. But I think maybe the uh, overall idea is um, when things are not feeling like they're good, um, then we tend to hit eras of nostalgia when yeah. things were better, at least were perceived to be better. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think maybe just asking the question, what is the war – movie genre what is that actually attempting to do like what like why is that such a fascination for us just war in general but Mm -hmm. that genre has and as far as movies has been a regular genre it doesn't have to be world war ii can be all kinds of different wars but it's that human conflict where two opposing two or more opposing sides are you know willing to kill each other over yeah, so maybe we break down the kinds of World War II and just generally war movies we see. Mm, okay. So I think there's some kind of one category that stands out to me is kind of the the uh, I think it's Jarhead is the movie, but also Saving Private Ryan, where it's kind of it's about the loss and the death of your of your battle buddies. Yeah, so it follows this that particular unit. You could say. That well, I would say Saving Private Ryan. The main focus of that was sacrifice. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. It's about the sacrifice of those who die. It's about the sacrifice of, in this case, going to save this well, one last that son sacrifice, right? Out yeah. of all those sons who have died. Um, but I think kind of the point of those movies is is for civilians to try to get an insight into into what it must be like to be a veteran, because none of us here are veterans. I think we all know veterans, and we know. There's something there we're never going to get. Mm-hmm. We're never going to understand unless we go through it ourselves. Well, like movies in general, the reason movies as a medium are so uh, enduring is that they're an ability to tell a story almost experientially mm-hmm. for the audience. And so, yes, I think war movies, and especially Saving Private Ryan, I well, think the I think reason it was so right. It, the reason it was so impactful was it was so realistic to the experience that even veterans who saw it, it took them almost to me. It was like they were reliving it. Right. Um, and so there's an imp, there's a power there to, like you just said, give someone the experience of it without who's never experienced right, it. Right. To, so there's to a window a into it. Yeah. But I think there's classically, there tends to be the, 
what you which I think became very popular with the Vietnam movies, and they're the anti-war movies. Right. Movies about war that are awful, but the purpose is to say war is terrible, and and we should oppose it. At, and we should keep this from as much as again. possible. Yeah. yeah. I think a movie that falls in that category is the movie about the the famous uh, snowball fight soccer game uh, in World War One, where it was Christmas Day, and and the Germans and I think it was Brits and Americans called a ceasefire and it wasn't uh, it was that was the first year of the war it only okay. happened one time right i know and so the americans weren't there no oh it wasn't american yeah, well it was the brits germans and germans. brits and whoever i think french it was maybe. the germans and french oh, but maybe it was yeah. the brits yeah. Yeah. yeah but i think i think that movie's called uh still a knocked which is just silent night, silent night, night, night yeah um and that's i think that that kind of category where it's like see you know these people are humans even the ones you're killing why are you doing this mm-hmm. yeah well it, and so I think that that messaging – I think war, you generally don't do well. Some movies you do where the war is just the setting for the story. Right. And because war is such an extreme element, it can add to that story, mm-hmm. uh, certain elements to the story. But if it's specifically about – Soldiers, for example. Soldiers of the war or something like that, I think ever since we've been alive – Generally, most movies, I would say, that deal with war or like real wars mm-hmm. tend to be – have elements of anti-war in them. I think that's – I think that's got to be true. Um, you could say Saving Private Ryan only in the fact that it, he didn't pull away from showing the horrors of the war, but also he didn't – he didn't go negative on the soldiers – yeah. He presented the soldiers as real people who had real lives outside of what they were doing, but also had embraced and recognized the call to arms and the call to fight for one's country, patriotism. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was that was embraced. It wasn't it wasn't put down as um warmongering or glorifying no. yeah. war or something like that. Um whereas if you look at Apocalypse Now, for example, mm-hmm. there's a movie that for the most part, <laughs> it's just it's just brutal. it it depicts the soldiers for the most part as in very negative light. Right, right. American soldiers they were just you know there's elements of of sympathy for them in some of the things that they suffer, but they're also meeting out gobs of suffering <laughs> themselves. Right, so right, so so there's the movies that are about trying to help civilians. Or have an insight into being a soldier. Mm-hmm. There's the movies that are about kind of war is bad, don't do war. Mm-hmm. I think another category is the war, the movies that are just specifically about one event. So like Dunkirk, mm-hmm. that's just the Battle of Dunkirk. It was an event I didn't really know yeah, about before these movies. A historical drama, right? Say, before yeah. you had the movie Dunkirk and then the movie The Darkest Hour. Um, I didn't really know about Dunkirk, and now I know quite a bit about it. And uh, the Darkest Hour is also about Winston Churchill. It's a little bit more about Winston Churchill, but it's specifically surrounding the events of Dunkirk. So that's another category where it's about a specific event. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which is just mm-hmm. the story of Desmond Doss. It, it, the war is in it, and it is definitely about World War II, but it's really it's about Desmond Doss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe part of the motivation for looking back and doing World War II especially is 
in some sense, at least from our perspective, it was less of a confusing time. Yeah. Sure. Now, I think that that's primarily because history's you know, Been vision written. is twenty twenty. So you're you're looking yeah, back yeah. and you you kind of see how the pieces moved. And you knew how th- you know how things played out. Yeah. But history's we're living in an victor. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're living in an era where there is a lot of confusion, mm-hmm. and then we do have people. I think reacting. I think especially politics or politicians are tempted to do something rather than nothing. And right. and so there it and so instead of like having more circumspect, nuanced kind of perspective regarding a lot of these issues that we're slowly living through and working through, there's there, there's this temptation to say, no, this is the right way. We're going to go this way, and you don't question it. Right. We we're in the fight against misinformation, so all big tech is going to go through and create these rules that they're constantly changing because to we, silence the misinformation. And some of that is nefarious in origin but some of it is you know for so long 80 years america had those big goals we could state you know it was we're in the fight against nazis we're in the fight against communism we're in the fight Mm -hmm. against terrorism and and now yeah maybe there's kind of a lack of of that opposition that so is is a younger generation hungering for some kind of like um big issue dangerous big issue to stand up some moral crusade to stand and fight for i think absolutely i i agree i think there's a lack of courageous adventure opportunities for america for young americans specifically in the 21st century um this is something like i noticed as a kid you know i always loved geography but as a kid i was looking at geography and reading about all these great explorers and i was like hang on They've explored it all already. Mm. <laughs> I can't discover something nobody's ever seen before because everyone's seen everything on Earth. Uh, and so ex- exploration's kind of off the table. There's no, you know, World War II's to fight. Um, yeah, I think people are, especially young people, are looking for a well. That may be where noble calling. Why movements like you know the fight against climate change, for example, uh, is one of those things where this is the as many politicians put it, the existential issue of our day, I think right. even, which is kind of funny to Biden, that was the other thing that was supposedly the existential threat to existence is climate change, right? Not just white supremacy. Right, right. Um, but I think that that may be part of the reason why you're saying the nostalgia factor for World War II, it's the black and white movie, um, the good versus evil. Right. And we can use or tell stories or vignettes or there's because it was such a large war and there because you know there's so many stories there's so tell. many stories to tell yeah we can go back in and look at this one and and see how our ancestors handled this situation yeah and and because it was such a large war and there was i mean you have the movies that are about you know the atomic bombs Mm-hmm. The use of the like Oppenheimer's bombs. coming out. Oppenheimer's this, coming out, yeah. and uh, apparently the original Godzilla movie was obviously to Japanese audiences about the use of the atomic bombs, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of got changed when it came over to the U.S. And now Godzilla is something else entirely. But that theme is still there with Godzilla, um, and so there's you know that huge event that will echo for centuries. It's the only time a nuclear bomb's ever been used on a on a civilian population i guess uh 
And an, and an enemy Military population. target. Yeah. Only time it's it being used on a military target. Um, yeah. But then the other, you know, huge event was the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many stories there. There's Anne Frank. There's the boy in the striped pajamas. There's... And I think that's understandable. Uh, you know, I heard my grandfather talk about liberating concentration camps, and wow, you could hear <laughs> the horror. Oh yeah, from sixty years later, just hearing him tell it to me, I could hear the horror from back then. What's fascinating is um, we know so much about the Holocaust. I think for one reason, one major reason is because the Germans were such fastidious record keepers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. It's kind of fascinating to think because their organizational prowess and record-keeping um, motivation, I guess, that culturally speaking, we we know someone – they they documented their own horrors so well. They, well they that, tried to burn all their documents well, and stuff, but the know, thing pa- is that Hitler doubled down when he knew he was going to lose. He said, okay, we can divert – resources to trying to hold the the western front against the allies or we can really kill off all the all the jews and he decided to really kill off all the jews so that well, kind of took away their well, chance the, to hide what they've done i think there's a logic to that though in that what motivated him in the beginning i mean he blamed the the loss of world war one on the jews right and so as he's losing world war two well we're gonna well the least i can do then in my dying and this, and this country's dying breath is to try to wipe out the enemy that started the whole thing in his mind, at least. Right. So I, I, that doesn't surprise me as much. Um, I just well, I'm not saying it's fascinating, fascinating, but that's just part but, of why we have the records. Well, yeah, it is. And I think part of it, too, is that the record keepers were loath to destroy the records that they made. I mean, this was... Their lives work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another interesting thing. Maybe that's why we can't let go of World War II as well, because so much of what's happened since happened because of World War II. I mean, that's true of any major yeah. historical event, but specifically you have Operation Paperclip and Oppenheimer with yeah. all these SS scientists being brought to the U.S. to, to work on our space program. Um, and, like, my uncle met... And, you know, shook hands with Werner von Braun mm-hmm. in Huntsville. Wow. Um, so it's not like these people were hidden away. People knew them. It, people lived next door to them. Um, well, there was I, – I think that World War II also, it changed history so profoundly from what it had existed prior to what we know and ever since. Um, it did – culturally shrink the globe we were you know americans american soldiers experienced all these countries they'd never seen never heard of that's actually a good point i'm sure the globe in general their understanding and knowledge of who americans were exploded after world war ii right Mm -hmm. but also launched the american um I don't know how I'd put this cultural empire on the world. I think the American yeah. hegemony is, is yeah, the he- hegemony term. is yeah. you know. But I think the cultural empire. I mean, right. that's that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, our blue jeans and Coca Cola. Right. Yeah, McDonald's. blue jeans, Coca Cola. I think what we're feeling now is that you know we we for all intents and purposes won. We won World War Two. We won the Cold War. Mm-hmm. We have had to put down um, terrorists that have sought to destroy us. Um, 
and right now the new enemy rising is um, uh, China. Right. Um, and China. Although Russia would like to be the new enemy. I think Russia is a strong man who has delusions of grandeur. And right, but the, Stalin wants essentially to refound the Russian Empire or the USSR. Putin. 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 Uh, yeah, Putin. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's his. That's that's his delusion of grandeur. Right. That's just not going to happen. No. I think that China though is has. They've been influenced. They've been a, in they, Africa. They're an, they they're essentially an old, own the Panama Canal. Well, they're an old old empire. They've been around yeah. for a long time, and they've dominated the. Uh, East Asia right. for millennia, practically. Mm-hmm. Um, really, the rise of Japan wasn't was late in history as far as uh, China's dominance of that region is concerned. Yeah, and so now China is doing what China had di- has done, but just on a larger global scale. They, they finally just turned their eyes away from only the Middle Kingdom. Uh, which is what China calls itself, the Middle Kingdom. Yeah, mm-hmm. they 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 have they want to be the superpower. Yeah. They dominate globe global trade and then also global culture. That's what they're after. And you called China an empire, and I just want to point out that's fitting. There is several conquered nations within China at the moment: Tibet, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, Macau. Those, those last two are small, well. but. Once it's wants to rope in Taiwan. Wants to rope in Taiwan. They're working on it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, I think we could take this like why? Why is it still such a popular theme? I think because one reason is World War Two is what after World War Two we are one of the and eventually become the superpower of the world. Yeah. Our culture dominates the world after World War Two. Our military dominates the world as far as no one can go up against us and expect to win, to beat us. Well, Uh, I mean, that's, I guess, debatable. But what isn't debatable is that no country in the world can project power anywhere in the world on the drop of a dime the way the United States can. Right. Now, obviously, this was a process throughout the Cold War. We know this. But um, I think that we have become so accustomed to being the big dog, but then there's kind of like, for whatever reason, there's been those who, now all they want to do is see the faults. Right. Mm-hmm. And and they pick up the faults. Well, you guys were racists. You had slaves back when you're, when you first started as a country and you had the, I mean, it wasn't until the 1960s that you actually gave, you know, full rights to, you know, my, you know, black citizens. And, you know, yeah, legit criticisms, but they're rising to be the almost... It, they're the making total, them as if it's the whole story of America. Right, the total yeah. definer is that we're really just, we always were and really were just this corrupt group. Right, and it's not that... Of you white supremacists. Gave the vote to women and then you gave the vote to minority citizens... It's, you know, for all this time you didn't let women vote, and for all this time you didn't let minority citizens vote. It's it's framing the progress as a negative itself. Mm. Well, here's the focus isn't on the fact that it ended. The focus on is on the fact that it happened. Well, yes, and actually, who led the world in all that progress? Right, we, and we it did. was it was the West for nobody certain. would see the world in this light if we hadn't led the world in pushing this way of thinking, and now it's being turned back on us. As if 
we somehow never actually embraced it. It's yeah. ironic. But I think that World War II was the defining moment of the positive, looking on ourselves positively as a people. Yeah. And like the self-definition of Americans. That might be another reason why there are fewer films on other conflicts, particularly um, fewer films like for the revolution, for example. Right. The revolution has, to my knowledge, one recent mainstream movie, and that's The Patriot. Yeah. Which is not historically accurate. It's fun, but not historically accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think to be fair, I agree, but to be fair, the the medium of film <laughs> didn't exist. You know, it, we, we're having to wait 100, 120 years after uh, the American Revolutionary yeah. War to start getting that medium. Right, and I think that is a good point because, as we were saying earlier, you had lots of World War One movies before World War Two started, and then mm-hmm. World War Two mm-hmm. movies kind of took over for a while. Yeah, and then I'll say Korea has earned its name the forgotten war i don't know of really any movies i think mash the tv show is about all i can think well of that's the korea. most famous there there have been several but it, it you're it's fair to say yeah. that and then vietnam plenty yeah um but for a different reason for a different reason and then for the gulf war and and the war in iraq and afghanistan we've had a few not tons but not some. those are more reflective um versus um i guess praise Right. Reflection versus praise. Yeah, just like this right. happened Well, kind of thing. One of the things you could bring into it here, too, we talked about the, the anti-war movies, movies mm-hmm. that are obviously, you go to it and afterwards you come away feeling like war is terrible, I never want to be involved. But there's also, and they weren't maybe directly, but I think throughout the 80s especially, and I think it was probably because of the standoff between us and the Soviet Union as part of it. Mm-hmm. But think of all those... You could say war movies that were fictitious, completely fictitious, but they were modern and they were standoffs with a strong male character like, uh, I don't know, Rambo, mm-hmm. um, who is involved in like taking the fight to the enemy and destroying yeah. the enemy. And of course, most of the time, I mean, the, even, even outside Return of the, of the first Jedi. Rambo movie, the enemy's basically communists or terrorists. Um, I think of also all those Arnold Schwarzenegger movies where you have these guys who are... I mean, any pretty much know, any Stallone or right. Schwarzenegger movie in the 80s is going to have those themes. So there were, you could call them... But they, they almost evolve into more personal vendetta type of thing, mm-hmm. and they're less... Um, sort of. They're, but they're less kind of total, total country. Like right. where 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 I'm American, I'm fighting for America. Although there was an element of like I'm an American, and so what I'm doing is righteous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of uh, what movies were. I mean, there were so many of these movies. That, well, from the I 80s, mean, but talking about the kind of personal level, and uh, I'm an American, so what I'm doing is righteous kind of thing. You have uh, what I think is the most raw, raw patriotic American American movie of all time. Rocky Four. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you have, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the guy who gets killed at the beginning of the movie. Apollo? Yeah, his name? Apollo Creed. Apollo Creed goes and That's why there's those, those Creed movies. Yeah, I know, he's because it's his son. son yeah. Yeah. So Apollo Creed goes and fights the Russian wearing, you know, red, white, and blue boxing yeah. shorts. Yeah, and American gets flag. Killed. Yeah. 
and so Rocky has to go to to avenge America and destroy the Russians, and he he manages it. And it's if you want a movie that's just going to make you feel proud to be an American, I don't think there's a better choice than mm-hmm. Rocky Four. Dolph Lundgren, who's the Russian, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think mm-hmm. uh, I think that there there when you're talking about World War Two, you can do a movie that's positive about war just uh, realistically. Yeah. Um, even though it's terrible, it's worth fighting. There's a sense in which you're saying you can take pride in that. I stood for what was right. I fought for what was right, or my or Americans did. Right. It was it was good. Um, I I do also think that because it was such a broad war, a broad conflict. I mean, like we say, world war. Yeah. World, there's all kinds of interesting elements that have come out of it, like the whole the level of espionage and spying that developed during and then following the ever right. since the war. And you get the Cold movies war. about World War Two yeah. that that don't feature any guns whatsoever, right. pretty much. Like uh the imitation game. Yeah. Which is about Alan Turing breaking uh Enigma. The Enigma, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um that's a great movie. Well you also have the birth of uh, James Bond. I mean it right. comes right out of World War Two. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so there's a lot of interesting um, culturally defining things that, like I said, I do think it shrunk the globe in a way that we became more aware of all these other places around the world than culturally than we may have used. May I, think have that's, been before. I think that's true. I mean, I mean I just take Papua New Guinea, for instance. Like, yeah. how many Americans knew about Papua New Guinea before World War II? Mm-hmm. I'd wager almost none. Now, uh, Prior to World War II, but through World War II and after, from um, a mission, a Christian missionary standpoint in America, because mm-hmm. America, I think it's still the case, but I'm not positive. Before a while, the, the U.S. Christian missionaries, U.S. was the most missionary-sending nation on, on the planet. Yeah, I think yeah, at least and until think, recently, we still. Were. I think I think we still may be, but for for quite a while and by far. Um, yeah. We were sending missionaries, and and especially following World War Two, yeah. there was a a balloon in that as well. I mean, the reason I was born overseas was because of part of that. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who was, uh, since we were just talking about Papua New Guinea, born in Papua New Guinea because his parents were missionaries there. Yeah. And, wow! Uh, just a funny little story. Everyone called him brother there because it was just what you did when you were mm-hmm. young. You just called everyone brother. So when he first started going to school. And people started calling him a different name. He came home apparently angry, like, why didn't you tell me my name's Will? <laughs> I thought my name was Brother. <laughs> that's wow. hilarious. So that's just, that's just kind of a funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I am not surprised that there would have been a ballooning in kind of Christian missionary work after World War II. Um, I know my grandfather, when he was stationed in Germany after the war, kind of adopted a family because a lot of the native Germans were having a hard time finding enough to eat. And mm. so he adopted this family yeah. and hunted deer for them and made sure they had enough food on their plates and remained in contact with them for the rest of his life, which was oh, pretty that's cool. incredible. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of that answer, I think I probably hit around it a mm-hmm. lot, but I do think it's, it is a looking back to an era that seemed more more virtuous mm-hmm. more well, virtuous as far as our nation was concerned for the most part we could be proud of it 
Um, I think that's probably an element to it for sure. I do think, and maybe this is a cynical part of me, recognizing what Hollywood is right now, um, World War II was the era of where our understanding of racism being so lethal was really kind of defined, right? Right. It was, this is the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. That's the end point of racism. And suddenly people were like, oh, maybe not. Because racism and racist attitudes were quite popular prior, especially in academia, prior to... I mean, a lot of of Hitler's thinking came from American circles. Yeah. Well, there was the eugenics, eugenicists, Mm -hmm. uh, both in Germany and the U.S. Eugenicist Society of the U.S., I think, was one of the reasons. Margaret Sanger, I think, wasn't she part of that? The, uh, I I know Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist. I yeah. Think. So uh, that fast fell out of favor after the war. <laughs> right. But. It's like, oh, exterminating whole people groups. Maybe we'll distance ourselves yeah. from this. Kind of evil. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. So hearken, the point is hearkening to that. If you're, if you're wanting to paint your enemies as fascists or Nazis – because of racism being supposedly on white supremacy being mm-hmm. such a supposed problem nowadays and systemic race, all the buzzwords of the woke, right. which Hollywood for the most part is completely embraced. In fact, I don't know if you saw this, but the Oscars have created rules for, for pictures that for pictures to be considered for best picture have to now have. have a certain amount of diversity right they, they have, announced they, that actually a few years ago and it just said it's going to take till 2024 to kick in right so, so now it's like for sure the, the new rules yeah. and it which is just it's I mean, just stupid it is it's just simply stupid if you're i definitely charged that thing so i don't know why it turned off hmm. um if you're making a movie about vikings you know it would be ridiculous to cast hispanics it would just not make any sense at all yeah yeah um but anyway, I think maybe that's part of – if you can couch, politically speaking, your opponents as the Nazis. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe some of it's uh, cynical and it's – we need to make sure everyone knows just how bad the Nazis were because we're still using that as a catch-all yeah, term yeah. for our opponents. Right. I think another part is cynical kind of Oscar bait movies. Um, I think – you know, I, I'm sure Christopher Nolan had a vision and he actually wanted to make a good movie and that's why he made Dunkirk. But like, come on, has there ever been a movie that was more Oscar bait than Dunkirk? And it's just mm. movie makers know if you want to make, you want to win an Oscar, if you can make a good World War II movie, you have a really good shot of winning an Oscar. I think so that's did, did it win for that year? I can't remember. I don't remember if it did or not, but I, I'm sure it had to win something. You saw Dunkirk, right? I did, yeah. yeah. I thought that was it, – it was one of the more different but well-done war depiction movies I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it was tricky playing with how they were doing – weaving the three different um, the stories. stories together. Uh, yeah. But I, I was fascinated how they did that. It was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So Dunkirk won for Best Film Editing. It won for Best Sound Editing. And it was nominated for Best Picture – Best Director, and Best Music. I can't recall. What was the score like? Was there, like, attributes of, like, no score? I I think parts of it. I think... um, There was a lot of a kind of a beat or, like, a ticking clock. Right, right, because it's all... Because I think what it is, 
because Hans Zimmer and Christopher Nolan work together a lot, and yeah. they kind of did something similar with uh, um, Interstellar. No, well, yes, but I was thinking. Anyhow, it doesn't matter. Uh, I think what it is is there's like a clock that is in all the parts of the score, and it, you hear the ticking, mm-hmm. and because the movie has kind of like three parts that take place on different time frames. One that's like half an hour, one that's like a week and one that's like a month or something like that. Right. Or one that's a day, I think one an hour, one a day, one a week or something like that. Um, the, the clock ticking is adjusted appropriately for each of those different time spans. Yeah. Um, that's fascinating. So yeah, there's, there's that kind of thing. They like to do that in their movies. Who did the score for Dune? I think that was also Hans. Zimmer. I thought so too. Yeah. There seems there's different elements of that same feel in Dune, but yeah, that was yeah, that was one of the more interesting World War Two movies, I would say. Since I th- I think some I think what happened was when Saving Private Ryan came out, that became like a new template for like how to do World War Two movie, did. It definitely especially did. for to the action. And it seems like there's been a bunch of copycats since. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so I think I think we've addressed the question. I mean, we're not going to come up with an answer because we're three people in a room. I don't think we're there is Hollywood. one answer. Right. But I think the question of why are we still so focused on, on this one particular area of the world wars, particularly even World War II, it's an interesting question. I'm glad we talked about it. I do think, this is just my guess, but I think World War II and all the aspects of it might be the most put-to-movie event in human history. Mm, that's interesting. I wonder if that's true. That may be true. That's, that's my guess. I think the 1938 to 1945, that's seven years. I think there's probably more movies about that seven years than any other period. Yeah. Yeah, I would... Venture, I know we're ending it, but one more mm-hmm. thought here. The generation that fought in the war is almost gone. Yeah. And there's always a move, I think, to when once that's recognized, to like collect as much of those stories as they can before it's too late. Right, absolutely. My family did that as well with mm-hmm. my veteran grandfather. Yeah, I think it's probably I mean a lot of these movie makers are the children of the veterans. So it may be that you know, they were always kind of interested in making the movie one day, and then they saw either their their veteran ancestors die or be getting up there, and they were like, "Okay, I need to make it now." So maybe mm-hmm. that's part of it. Yeah, it's an element, I would say. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been the Pop Culture Contrarian podcast with Thomas Sterling and Andrew. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, the Pop Culture Contrarian is brought to you by the Patriot Post which can be found on all major social media. We hope you'll tune in next time. Bye.